Good evening. Hope everybody's doing well today on this fabulous and wonderful uh, Wednesday day. Uh, it's been a nasty old rainy, chilly day today, but uh, good news. According to the weatherman, it is supposed to be uh, starting to start... <laughs> Starting to uh, turn around tomorrow. I was looking at the weather be up in the upper 70s and 80s uh, through uh, starting tomorrow through the week next week, and uh, going to be beautiful weather. So thank God for that. And maybe this little what do they call this blackberry winter. I don't know if that's what they call it, but uh, maybe this is over now. Finally starts getting some heat, and uh, it's like I like what somebody said. Said my biggest fear is um, is getting a uh, what do they call them a murder hornet in my mask as I'm shoveling snow in late May. <laughs> so let's hope that doesn't happen. But uh, but I do hope everybody is doing well today and has had a good day. But um, uh, keep uh, keep me in your prayers here. I um, I've been struggling with some sort of. Uh, head cold or uh, sinus effects or something there so keep me in your prayers and uh, get over this whatever it is it's uh, aggravating but uh, I'm used to it though it hits me ever so often and uh, so just pray say a little prayer for me for tonight as I bring this teaching that uh, yeah, it'll uh, give me some relief while I get through this here but second uh, Peter chapter 1 verse 4 if everybody wants to uh, uh, turn there, Second Peter chapter one verse four, and uh, Jamie Linda Arnold says, "Hope you are feeling better, friend. Thank you, and I appreciate that. Trying hard to uh, stay heavily medicated. That's the way my wife likes me. She uh, pills me up, sits me in a corner. As long as I stay quiet, she's happy." So, Second Peter chapter one verse four, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. And as me, Peppy always says, bless this reading and the hearing of it to our hearts. And um, uh, if you have any prayer requests, uh, be sure and, and post those and uh, so that uh, uh, we can offer those up in prayer. Even if I don't uh, see it in time before I have prayer, uh, we can, uh, all those who are, are watching here on social media can go online and uh, uh, pray together over this. And speaking of which, Juanita White says, uh, praying for you. Also, I have unspoken prayer requests. Thank you, Juanita. I appreciate that. Mr. Fair says, hello. Hello to you, Mr. Fair. And Verda uh, Campbell says, please pray for Richard's dad and Pauline, my sister. Thanks. Yes, ma'am, Miss Campbell. We will definitely uh, remember uh, them in prayer, most assuredly. So, uh, uh, again, if you just keep me in your prayers uh, that uh, I can get over whatever this is. I, I apologize for not being able to do my morning devotions, but I tell you, every single morning this week, I've woke up and had good intentions and have the the worst blinding headache, uh, and if you all had anything like it, you know where I'm coming from, so it's hard to uh, uh, to concentrate when you got that going on, so um, I may just take away and take the rest of the week off and rest, and then hit it hard on Monday. I know several people said they, they've missed me doing the devotions, but uh, uh, if I wake up tomorrow feeling extra froggy, then I'll do it, but I may just go ahead and say, hey, let's just go ahead and, and uh, finish this out and hit it hard uh, next week, so if, if that be okay. I'm trying to think um, if anything, any a specific prayer request. I know that uh, 
Uh, Ron Thompson, he had texted earlier, said be a prayer for his wife Thelma, and uh, uh, she was have, running a, a temperature, and uh, she's may have to go back to the ER. So be sure, pray for, pray for her. And I know Mrs. Penix had put on the uh, on the um, group page uh, that she's going to have to have some tests run with uh, with the radiation she's receiving, and uh, make sure things going like it's supposed to be and uh, that that will go well and i know that kathleen helton uh she had to have uh, go to the doctor or our surgeon or i can't remember what it was now but uh, uh be sure to keep her in your prayers as well and darren Sherfy, he's uh one that does the uh one of the guards at uh danny moon high school man him went to high school together and he's uh his health isn't well and be praying for him but uh laura hinkle said uh, good evening good evening to you as well so let's go ahead and have a quick word of prayer if we may now, Father, Lord, we just thank you, love you, and praise you. Uh, Lord, thank you so much for this wonderful and beautiful day that you have blessed us with. Lord, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Lord, we love you and we praise you. Uh, Lord, just thank you for allowing us to come together and to be able to meet and to worship, even if it be virtually, Lord. We just praise your holy name. And Lord, I just want to lift up uh, uh, Richard's uh, father and uh, Verda's sister, and that uh, you know the situation, that your will be done there. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'll be with Kim Penix and that uh, all of her tests will come back. Uh, positive and, and uh, good result and no problems at all. I pray to be with Kathleen Hilton and that you will bring healing upon her. Uh, Lord, I pray to be with Linda Feathers. We continue to bring healing upon her and David. And uh, Lord, I just pray that you'll heal his back. And uh, Lord, I just pray that you will uh, continue to be with the Trivet family. And uh, Lord, I just pray to be with my dad, my mom, my wife. Uh, my sister and her family, I pray that you'll be with my father-in-law and mother-in-law, and uh, Lord, just keep them all safe and well. And Lord, we just thank you, love you, and praise you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Yeah, I forgot to mention uh, Linda Feathers said, uh, said to be sure and keep her in prayer. She saw where I was battling whatever this is, and she said she's on her second round of antibiotics where she's battling some kind of sinus infection too, so uh, uh, definitely keep her in your prayers. So. Uh, and Dave Feathers, I know he said his back's really, he was out this uh, past weekend and uh, had to get some shots. Keep him in your prayers as well. I'm um, trying to think now, this is coming Sunday. Don't forget, uh, from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m., we'll be at Fountain of Life Bible Church. We're going to have weather permitting so far, so it looks like it's going to be beautiful weather this Sunday. Bring a chair, bring a blanket, and uh, come on out. We're going to have, have outside service. Uh, Dr. Vic will be bringing the morning message, and uh, uh, he uh, sent me a, a song that he's been working on, a beautiful uh, uh, song that he's working and doing and going to perform and uh, so you definitely don't want to miss that and uh, so you can still pull in the parking lot if you don't feel comfortable uh, getting out you can still pull in the parking lot listen to 98.5 wtfm and uh, listen live and or you can watch on our website at uh, flbconline.com and watch live or here on facebook you can watch live as well and uh, as as the uh, we, on the morning service, and uh, and then again uh, six o'clock that evening we'll do online service. Um, I um, I've been thinking seriously about if it's going to be pretty Sunday, I might. Uh, try to hold uh, evening service outside out there as well. I don't know but whether talking is supposed to rain, supposed to hit the oh, I keep talking today. The rain's supposed to hit later that day, so I don't know if that's going to be a possibility or not. But it's something I'm thinking about. Still got to talk to uh, old Dr. Young and see what his uh, thoughts are on on it. But, uh, um, but anyway, um, 
trying to think if there's anything else. I guess that's really it right now as far as announcements go. So just be sure to make plans to uh, attend uh, this Sunday from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. Someone had messaged me said, when are we going to get back to regular service with no restrictions? And my response to that is, I don't have a clue. We're just going to take it uh, each week as it comes, each month as it comes, just see how things are going. I know that uh, I'd read an article um, earlier today uh, uh, Vanderbilt uh, said that um, their peak is going to be more in the hundreds than the thousands that they originally predicted. However, uh, their concern is and what they're watching for is, you know, because everybody has complied, most people have complied, stayed in, wore their masks, all that, that's one reason why the, the peak isn't as high as they predicted. But what they're watching for is after um, uh, where, everybody, where everything's being opened up, people are getting back out, uh, they're, they're worried about a spike hitting and uh, causing trouble. So, you know, with, see, that, those those kind of things that we have to wait on to see because this could be slow-acting, because it could take several weeks to uh, develop. Uh, you know, the things like that is why we have to take our time and to make sure that uh, it's safe enough to be able to open the doors without any restrictions. So, see, that's what we have to look at. Now, we may uh, look into the possibility of having the, the one service and then uh, uh, and try to keep uh, social distancing, wearing the mask, and there's so much involved in that, you know. And then we have to worry about children, and it's just it's it's a lot. So until the things really severely clear up, we're just going to have to do what we can do, and that's all we can do. Because <laughs> uh, you know, where I'm at high risk, and Dad's high risk, we have to really we have to really be careful. A lot of we got to understand. There's a lot of elderly people come to our church too. And even though you're fine and froggy, may not be a thing in the world wrong with you. What if you was to accidentally carry it to one of these individuals? See, it's all, all these things we have to look at. And uh, so just uh, just be in prayer and that things will uh, subside and we can get back to some sort of uh, normality. And, uh, of course, for Fountain Life, uh, normal is everybody else is weird. So who knows? But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, let's go ahead and look at our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 6. And we're going to look at verses 13 through 20. So if you got your Bibles handy, let's go ahead and turn there. And again, that's Hebrews chapter 6, verses 13 through 20. So I'll give everybody uh, just a second to turn there in case you're reaching for a Bible, iPad, phone, or whatever it is that you use to uh, look up Scripture and uh, give you just a second to, to turn there. Hebrews 6, 13 through 20. From when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things, in which it is impossible to God for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have some strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Let's have a quick word of prayer, if we may. 
Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you, we love you, and we praise you. Lord, again, we just come before you and praise your holy name. Lord, just pray that uh, your spirit will fill every heart, every home, uh, wherever these individuals are at who are watching this evening. Uh, Lord, let your word go out. Uh, Lord, let it edify, let it equip. Most importantly, let it glorify. And Lord, let us uh, be able to learn and glean from this passage this evening and apply it to our spiritual walk. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You know, before I get started, I want to tell you all a little story. You know, as I told you all when we met uh, last week, you know, I, I like biographies. I get that from Dad. He always liked uh, uh, reading bio, Christian biographies in particular. And, uh, of course, I told you about, um, I never can pronounce his name right. I don't know if it's Eric Little or Eric, Eric Liddell. I don't know how the... You know, I've, I've looked it up, and po people say it both ways. But anyway, uh, you say tomato, I say tomato. And anyway, <laughs> you know, so his book, Pure Gold, and, and uh, I mentioned uh, Billy Graham's. But uh, I was reading about uh, John and Betty Stam uh, from 1934. Uh, they were in uh, in China during the their Civil War, and uh, they were missionaries. That's Of course, that's one reason why I was, I was reading about it. And a uh, fascinating story uh, about John and Betty Ham, a uh, Stam. I don't know why I keep wanting to say Ham. There is a John Ham, an actor, but uh, John Stam. And uh, they were missionaries. Well, they were um, at home, and it had been mentioned to them that uh, the Commodore, the communist, uh, uh, the head there, was, uh, was sitting out a, a group of uh, uh, militants uh, to their home. And they needed to get out of there, but John went out, and he had... Uh, had trying to figure out, you know, is this true or is it not true? And he heard yay and nay, and he wasn't sure what was going on. By the time he kind of figured out, yes, it's true, it was too late. The, the soldiers were already there. And uh, he tried to show some civility, and uh, he uh, gave them uh, some tea and biscuits or whatever you want to, you know, and, and, uh, and they demanded money, and he gave them all the money that they wanted, but that still wasn't good enough, so they arrested him. And they had a little baby, and uh, so they, um, uh, you know, he, he begged them to uh, uh, to please spare his wife and his child. Well, they arrested him. Well, it went long after that, they arrested his wife, uh, Betty. And uh, again, he was worried about the child, and they temporarily allowed her to, to go and, and be with her child. But again, they still arrested him and arrested her, and uh, it wasn't a good situation. They knew that it was very dire uh, in what they were about to face uh, for the faith. And uh, as when they were being uh, trotted to another town, uh, more, you know, for their execution, they knew what was going to happen. And uh, as they were heading into the next town, a, a, a postman who knew them said, John, where are you going? And he said, well, I don't know about where they're going. But he said, we're headed for heaven. And, uh, so they go, and uh, and John is is brought out, and um, he is tied and kneeled, and uh, they behead him. And his wife kneels there shaking, and uh, they behead her too. Well, you might wonder what happened to the baby. Very interesting uh, that the the baby it got word to another pastor, another uh, he was uh, Chinese, uh, Pastor Low. And had found out that there was a baby that was left behind. Apparently, I guess the soldiers would leave it there to starve. And he uh, he made his way uh, there. It took him a little bit to get there because of the soldiers, obviously, and the Communist Party that was there. And uh, found the baby. And obviously, uh, she was hungry because of uh, two days of fasting. But said that he had a... a um, <clears throat> 
grandchild that was um, uh, not of good health, but they had to try to make it to uh, to a place where the, the communists hadn't reached yet. And, oh, I'm going to tell you, too, it's very interesting, that uh, there was a guy, uh, they said he was a nominal Christian at best. And he, when John and Betty were being trotted out there to... Uh, uh, be um, uh, executed. He said, "Won't you leave them alone?" Well, they ransacked his home, found a Bible, found a hymn, and they they executed him as well. But anyway, as this Pastor Lowe was trying to get uh, to the the southern side of the mountain, as he had a child that was sick, and uh, this little baby, and uh, what they found there that uh, that Betty uh, Stam, she had left uh, uh, several. Uh, changing diapers uh, inside of this uh, little sleeping bag this baby was in and pinned inside of that was two five dollar bills and uh, this shows the, the a mother's love to, to make sure that this baby was taken care of and it had been for that money uh, and those diapers and things that was left behind with this child uh, they probably wouldn't have made it to, to safety and uh, you know we uh, we look at our lives, we get upset and get aggravated over stupid things. We get uh, frustrated with our, <clears throat> sometimes spiritually uh, we feel down. Maybe we don't feel like God is treating us fairly enough. You know, when you read stories like this uh, about two wonderful people who love the Lord and willingly uh, gave their lives for Jesus Christ. And when asked, where are you heading? They said, we're headed for heaven. And the reason why I open uh, with this little story about uh, John and Betty Stam, you can look it up, uh, was that they had hope. They had uh, real hope. It's, you know, there's a difference between false optimism, worldly optimism, and true biblical optimism, true biblical hope that's rooted in the things of Jesus Christ. And I think that some people confuse Worldly optimism confuse uh, that uh, that worldly uh, um, uh, I don't know uh, what's the word I'm looking for it just went out of my head anyway you've used what the world has to offer with what God has to offer and uh, the true hope that Jesus Christ that we have that is rooted in God Almighty is is what carries us through the worst of circumstances through the trials of life through the 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 worst things we know that god's promises that we can bank on that that we can trust in that you know and you may look at that and say well matt that's 1934 that was during a uh, the chinese civil unrest and and you know that was dealing with communist time how does that affect me today what what good does that do me today well my friends you know sometimes we can lose hope we can lose direction we can lose a sight of where we need to be and where we're going and what we're doing. And that's when we need to look back at God's promises. We need to look back at what has us anchored and what has us grounded. And that is God's word and God's love for us. And that's what we're going to look about to here this evening in regards to God's promises and God, how he has us anchored and his love for us. And, um, and how he's gone on and been that forerunner before us, that he has blazed that trail. And, um, and these are important things that we need to know and that we need to understand so that when we face whatever trial we may have to endure, whatever we're going through, that we can have that hope. We can go without fear, that we can press forward because we trust in what God has to tell us, that we know it's real, that we know it's true. You know, something my dad's always said many times, that people don't die for a lie. 
And, you know, some of you know, people want to tear down God's word and say it isn't true. And if it was no truth to it, if it was mere fairy tales and fables, people like John and Betty Stam would have never uh, willingly given their lives. Uh, they would have fought at every step of the way, but they went willingly, just as many before them and after them have done uh, in the name of Jesus Christ, because they understand God's truths. They understand God's promises. And uh, when you have that kind of confidence, that kind of biblical optimism, that kind of biblical hope, there's nothing you can't accomplish and there's nothing to fear. See, there's a lot of people right now who are in, uh, that have contacted me who are fearful, who are worried about uh, not only this virus, uh, worried about our, uh, the future, what it has to hold, uh, scared to death of dying. But that's one thing I try to assure people is one thing you have to understand, if you have Jesus Christ with you, you know, if, Jesus, if, if you have made that prayer of salvation, if you've committed your life to Jesus Christ, what do you have to fear? There's literally nothing to fear. God is with you through life and God is with you through death. There's nothing to fear. And so that's why we know that God is with us. God is for us. He's the one who walks before, one who goes behind, one who walks beside. We have God with us. There is nothing to fear. So remember that to be immediately, when we die, we are to be immediately in the presence of Christ. So what is there to fear? There's nothing to fear. And so that's the old devil playing on your own worries and concerns. And we got to say, hey, man, <laughs> you know what? You have no power. The victory is ours. We've read the end of the book. We know who wins. And so we just need to go forward. So we don't need to live our lives in fear. We need to hope to live by the hope and the promises that God gives us. So we see here in verse 13, For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no greater by whom to swear, he swore to by himself. He says, uh, saying, surely I will bless you and multiply you. Uh, to and Okay, that's, I don't know what's math meaning tonight. I'm, I'm, I've, my brain, as I've told you before, it goes 100 miles a minute and don't know when to stop. So we look at this here, that God's talking to Abraham and he's given his promises. And um, remember before it was Abraham, uh, it was Abram, all right? And, um, and so when we, um, uh, I'm trying to think, let's see, Abram, I think was, um, trying to think now, I think it was the father, oh my goodness, so I was like blank now, what Abram meant, um, oh my goodness, it's like being a father, father extravagant or something like that, and then Abraham was, uh, uh, the father of many nations or uh, of many. Anyway, it'd be like the difference between, uh, you know, here he, he had no children at the time when he was Abram. Now, and when he became Abraham, it'd be like telling a bald man named Harry that he would be called bushy-haired Harry. <laughs> you know, right? So that's the difference between the two names, if that makes any sense. And uh, so uh, Abram is told to leave Ur, uh, or you are, I don't have the best way to pronounce it, of uh, Chaldean. And, um, and so when he was told that, see, he was listening uh, to God's promises and to understanding what God's trying to say. So you have to understand when he's told to be uprooted and to leave and to move. See, it's not like today. You know, you get in your car, you drive down the road, and uh, if you get to miss in your family, you can FaceTime, you can call, and, you know, you're still connected. You know, with all this isolation, you're still connected to a certain extent. Well, when he's told to get up and leave and to move, that's it. I mean, he's probably, I mean, he will probably permanently never, ever see 
who were one of her family he may have had at that time or friends who may have had at that time. He was, uh, I mean, he's literally trusting in what God is telling him and being completely cut off from everything he may, who he may have known or what he knew and was, was being led to move to an entirely different place. You know, and so you got to think, at 25 years of listening to, uh, of trusting in God's promises, trusting in what God is trying to tell him, and he's getting up in age. I mean, you know, up in the 90s here. And, uh, and then God tells him that, uh, hey, you're going to get, you're going to have, uh, uh, you and Sarah's going to have a baby. And so, you know, of course, obviously they're thinking, you know, <laughs> we're, we're, we're almost 100 years old here, and, and you're telling us we're going to have a baby. But he trusts in God. You know, now, Abram, wasn't uh, wasn't perfect, you know. Here he had uh, uh, worried about uh, uh, his their lives, and he told uh, a king that uh, Sarah was his sister, which wasn't true. And the king was like, "You could have cast a curse down upon. Why would you do that?" You know, when he found out because he was about to make a move on his wife, and uh, and then you know here he had uh, uh, had uh, through Hagar had Ishmael, and uh, and so you know, but. God uh, still used him in a mighty way, and God's and so he still trusted in God's promises and what God was trying to tell him. And in fact, through Ishmael, he uh, there he become uh, the the father of of great many. You know, when uh, of course uh, by the time Isaac came around, uh, he died about the time. Uh, uh, twin boys you may have heard of, about 15 years of age, was uh, Jacob and Esau. My, myself familiar to you, but uh, and that's about the time that uh, Abraham passed away. And so uh, he did become the father of many. And of course, uh, Israel is the church. Now, there are those out there who would, uh, you know, adamantly argue uh, that. In fact, I had a professor in uh, in my undergraduate work, undergraduate studies, who uh, did not believe that Israel uh, was the church. And, uh, oh man, uh, <laughs> I forgot how it came about. Uh, anyway, Dad, my father... <laughs> And me, in fact, I think Dad had he sat down and messaged him something, and uh, in in regards to the fact of how the the church is Israel, and man, he went ballistic. This teacher went nuts on me. He said, "How dare you?" And he said, hey, "I've never had a uh, student to ever question me and and ever dare uh, uh, question what my my authority, if you will." And I thought for sure, I told Dad, I "said You've caused me to fail this class," but. End up making an A, so praise God for that. I, I passed anyway, so but I, it, was, it was cutting it close there. But anyway, so that so we see that how Abraham trusted in God's promises and how that carried uh, through uh, through time. And so uh, it's saying that uh, and thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise for people swear by something greater than themselves, and all the disputes and oath is final and for confirmation. So. Uh, you know, we see that, um, uh, let's see, I'm trying to make sure, I feel like I'm skipping something here. Let me make sure, let me read this again, make sure, um, I don't know, okay, it's on down. I was thinking I was skipping something, but when I was th looking at it's on down at verse uh, 18, uh, 18, yeah. But anyway, um, so, you know, there, when we see this here in um, uh, verse 16, uh for people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. So, you know, um, those who, um, particularly in biblical times, 
uh, if they swore an oath to something, I mean, they, I mean, you know, it's not like today where people lie to you to drop my hat. They shake your hand. In fact, I was telling somebody earlier today, I had uh, uh, got a Jeep over in Elizabeth and this uh, individual um, claimed to, how can I put it in, uh, uh, in a way that's, I don't want to defame anybody, but uh, anyway, I, he claimed one thing, but kind of find out the it, the Jeep was a rusted bucket, and it really, it, uh, based on uh, my mechanic, who I trust and know well, I've known him since I was a teenager, uh, said if I, if I didn't get rid of it, or if I continued to drive it, that it would uh, it'd probably get me and my family killed, that the frame would have broken too and got us killed. And so, uh, you know, so this person was, was less than than honest with me and uh, made me a little upset. But uh, but there in this particular point in time, if somebody swore an oath, uh, they they were, you know, they, they kept their word They uh, because the repercussions that would have resulted if they did not. And so, uh, so if somebody swore an oath to you, you could bank on it. Well, we see this here, and that we see that God's promises, we see that uh, God is, uh, for the people swear something greater than themselves, and disputes of oath is final for confirmation, that we see that when God himself gives that oath to us, swears that oath to us, that we know that we can bank on anything that God tells us, that we know that God is not going to go back on his promises, he's not going to go back on his word, that we know that if God tells us something, we can trust trust it, we can bank on it, and there's nothing to worry about. Just like if I tell my kids, hey, we're going to go um, to Disneyland, you know, well, they know that daddy is not going to lie to them in any way, shape, form, or fashion, and if I, and then if I say it, they know it's gospel, you know, just like if my dad tells me something, I know that, it, that I can trust in that. How much more can we trust God the Father? How much more can we trust in His promise? And when He gives us, a, swears that oath to us, and to, to listen to Him and to be patient and to understand His promises. You know, that's one thing, you know, we look at Abraham and his enduring patience uh, in his life. You know, here 25 years, you know, it went by uh, the span of time and uh, he still hadn't had any kids, you know, and he's sitting there thinking, how am I going to be the father of many nations here? And, uh, you, know, it's, don't, you know, it don't make any sense. But I said, see, everything's in God's time. You know, I think so many people want to rush God uh, along. They want to, uh, they want everything done right then, right that second, you know. Uh, they want to say, Lord, uh, I, I would like to have a new car, and they open their eyes, and they want to expect a new car sitting in their driveway. Well, that ain't going to happen. He might provide the way and the means to provide you uh, that new car, but it don't work that way. God is not a genie in a bottle. You know, we don't rub the bottle and say, I wish for uh, $1 million, and it, it pops up in front of us. It doesn't work that way. Remember, God isn't worried about our financial, uh, you know, our, our pocketbook. You know, there's a lot of... Uh, preachers out there and that's all they're preaching out there is peace and prosperity how to bless your pocketbook how to bless your wallet just like that lunatic that's on there about the uh, uh was it the spring water or something like that and if you get that spring water they, got, they literally have people on there saying i did this and there was six thousand dollars immediately in my uh bank account and other guys said yeah i have fifty thousand dollars in my bank i thought these people are insane. God doesn't care about your stupid money, man. I just it, it blows my mind. I mean, absolutely, how anybody be suckered in to that kind of of, of heresy? I, I will not understand. 
God isn't worried about your temporal state. He's worried about your eternal state. That's what he's concerned about. And so many people want to bend their will, uh, make God force God's will to their own instead of submitting their will to God. And that's what we have to do. Are we coming to God through all humility and grace? Are we coming to God through something uh, that is biblical, something that is spiritual? Are we, are we coming to God with things uh, that uh, is honoring to him? Or are we just trying to find a way for God to, uh, to bless our pocketbooks? You know? And so we pray about things. You know, we may be praying about decisions about jobs or starting a business or uh, praying about financial situations or selling a home or buying a home, you know, these kind of things. And we may not get answers just like this. And just like Abram slash Abraham, you know, he was patient and he listened and he waited for God. And, um, you know, and so that's what we have to do. You know, everything's in God's timing. Sometimes, you know, people try to say, well, God didn't answer my prayer. Maybe, you know, if you just stopped and listened, you know, sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is wait. And, or, you know, and, and sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes you may get an immediate response. And sometimes, hey, look at Abraham. It took him 25 years. How many people are, wait, are, are willing to wait 25 years for a response from God? But he trusted God's promises. And so that's what we have to do. We have to be able to have the ability to trust God's promises in all areas of our lives. And so you've got to give that over to God. And so, you know, and the reason why I could talk about this is because I have screwed up. Because of my impatience, I have not waited on God. See, I, I look back over my life and I see so many mistakes. I see so many things that I have done had I waited on God how much better my life would have been. If I'd listened to my father, how much better my life would have been. But no, I was a hard-headed, impatient jerk, and uh, I didn't wait on God. I didn't listen to my dad, and I went head first into a lot of crap, and that's just it, a lot of crap, and it just and it just ruined a lot of, you know, it hurt my, my mom and dad. It hurt uh, those around me, and uh, because I was selfish and self-centered, and I wasn't selfless, all right. I wasn't putting God first. And when you do those things, you're headed for disaster. And I'm, I can tell you with uh, with all confidence, it will you will have disaster. Now, God, praise God for his grace and his mercy. He has brought me a long way. Um, I, I look back, though, and wish, you know, man, I'd give you anything. If I could do things better and different and, um, uh, and, and waited on the Lord and put God first. And, you know, uh, when you're younger, you know, it, it, the, those in the world, particularly your peers, uh, make things uh, seem greater than they are. They make you want to think that you're on the outside looking in and that you need to loosen up and that you need to do this, that, or the other. So it leads you down a path uh, really to destruction. And uh, that's why, you know, it's like my dad always told me, you know, make friends who are even maybe even better than yourself or that you think are better than yourself, that are good Christian people, because if you don't, they're going to lead you down that wrong path. And I, instead of listening, I had to learn that the hard way. And uh, so that's why I'm telling you, particularly if there's any youth watching this evening, is put God first. Don't listen to your idiot friends who think they've got it all together, seeing things are so smart. And uh, I'm telling you, uh, you know, they say, oh, come on, come to a party. Oh, you're so uptight. You need to, to drink you something and loosen up, or you need to smoke this and loosen up. You know what? Just because their lives are miserable, they want to drag you down where they're at. And that's why you've got to stand above that and say, you know what? That's not honoring to God. You know, that's why I tell my, my daughter, uh, I say, you know, don't worry about disappointing me your, or your mother. It's not, you know, don't worry about uh, that you're, uh, uh, you know, because people try to say, well, oh, you're just a uh, mama's girl or a daddy's girl. And you're just, you know, all this bunch of stuff. 
you just do what's pleasing unto God. And I said, if you do what's pleasing unto God, then you won't disappoint us. Then you're going to do the right things. But I said, if all you're leaving, living to do is just to, to please us, then I said, you're going to grow old. You're going to get tired of it. And I said, you know, you know it, what's the point? But you live a life that pleases God. You're putting Jesus Christ first. You're honoring him. Then you're going to stay on the right course. You're going to stay on the right path. And you're going to do the right things. And that's all thing I could tell her to do or tell my son to do is to do those things. And if you trust in those and trust in God's promises, you're going to go far. You're going to do much. But you start listening to idiot buddies out there, particularly when these kids get to college. You know, there's a lot of kids going to get ready to graduate. Uh, I saw where Danny Boone's doing their um, uh, parade uh, this Saturday at 1 o'clock uh, since they can't actually walk the stage. They're doing like a little graduation parade. And, and pray for these kids because once they get to college, they get a he healthy dose of liberalism, they get a healthy dose of socialism, and they get a healthy dose of uh, worldly hedonistic views from a lot of people their age that uh, seem appealing, and and, and uh, many are, are misled into thinking, well, uh, well, that's just what we're supposed to do at our age. No, no, you know what the, you're supposed to do at any age is trust God, and that's what any of us can do at any age, at any time in our lives. We need to trust in God and trust in God's promises, and guess what? Look at the outcome, how God blessed uh, Abraham, and how God blessed so many throughout God's word, if we keep God first and do what is right in his eyes. So we see here that, um, uh, let's see here, uh, verse 17, so when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So now, when we see this here, when God desired, or uh, that God purposes, this, this points to the um, uh, um, the promises of, of his um, uh, salvation, his promises of um, uh, his love for us. Uh, we can look at, um, uh, you know, we look at heirs, all right? You know, when you're an heir, you don't choose to be an heir. You know, hey, if we could choose to be an heir, then we would choose to be the heir of uh, Rockefeller or, or Donald Trump or, you know, somebody who's super, uh, super wealthy, uh, you know, you would choose to be the heir because, hey, you'd want to inherit a, a bunch of money, you know, but we don't choose to be heirs. But see, God chose us. And so because God chose us, we are heirs to the kingdom. So everything that Jesus receives, we receive in heaven. We are joint heirs to the throne of the grace of God. See, we get to enjoy that same glory, that same uh, uh promises that Christ received, we get to receive as well. And, you know, and because of that, uh, some would try to say that, uh, look over here, if you want to go ahead and turn to Romans 9, uh, let's see here, I'm sorry, Romans 4, uh, 11 uh, through uh, 12 here, um, you know, people try to say, well, that isn't fair that uh, God uh, chooses some. See, when you get into uh, election. Oh, Jamie Lynn Arnold says bad reception. I'm sorry about that. If you're having bad reception, go to flbconline.com and you can watch there and, and uh, that should clear any uh, bad reception up. I apologize. But anyway, some people try to say that isn't fair, that uh, that there are those that God chooses. Remember, God doesn't have to choose anybody, all right? That's what, ad what adoption is. You know, we no, families don't have to adopt, but they choose to adopt a certain child. Is that to say that because you adopted one child, that it isn't fair that you adopt all those children? Well, no, you chose to, you didn't have to do to adopt any, but you at least uh, chose to adopt at least one or two and uh, and show them, display their love. Well, God knew uh, 
uh, you know, he knew us before, you know, we were predestined. He knew us before we were formed in the womb. And he chose us, all right, to be part of the elect. And so uh, Paul addresses this in Romans 4, all right, he, it says in verse 11, he received the sign of circumcision as a seal of righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that the righteous would be counted to them as well and to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. You can see it there and um, because that's what, I'm sorry, I did I don't think that was right. I said Romans. I thought it was Romans 9. I said 4, but that didn't sound right. Hold on. I read that there. That don't sound right. Let's see here. Let me make sure here. I just, you know. Okay, yeah. It was Romans 9. I thought that didn't sound right when I was reading it. I thought that don't sound right. Okay. Um, let's see here. So I was right to begin with. It was not. Uh, though they were not yet born, had done nothing either good or bad. Remember, we're, we're talking about you know that uh, being heirs, uh, being joint heirs. We're talking about that election, um, and we're uh, it's being addressed by Paul here. It says though they were not born, and had nothing either good or bad, in order that God prompt purpose of election, all right, might continue not because of works, but because of Him who calls. She was told the older the older will serve the younger. Is written Jacob I love, but Esau I hated. Which, shall, which we're talking about Abraham, we're talking about Isaac. Um, hey, then what shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. So in other words, you know, how dare you? You know, don't, you, how dare you to question God's goodness, God's grace, God's mercy? Uh, by no means. For, who's, for he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, uh, let's see, but on God who has mercy for the scripture says to Pharaoh for this very purpose I have raised you up that I might show you my power and that you, my name might be proclaimed in all the earth so then that he has mercy on whomever he wills and that he hardens whomever he wills so you know so this was so Paul addressed this just in case anybody tried to say that isn't fair he said who are you to question God will have mercy on whom I have mercy you know God, uh, you know, he rejected Esau and accepted Jacob. He uh, rejected uh, Ishmael and accepted Isaac. You know, so, you know, is God's, you know, he, he, he is God. He, and he doesn't have to do anything. But, but out of his grace and mercy, at least he chose uh, to save some. So that's what we're getting at here. Uh, reading on here, verse 18, so that by two unchangeable things, which is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. All right, so when we see this, so we see right here, you know, is it possible? It is impossible for God to lie. All right, so we can we can bank on these truths that God tells us. If God cannot lie, then everything that the Bible tells us is true. That we can count on that. We can believe in that. We can trust in that because we know that God does not lie. Now, some people could argue, well, that's circular reasoning. But uh, the fact of the matter is that we can that we know that if, if God is not a liar. So you have people out there who can bend the truth for their own self-interest. You have people out there who tell little white lies so they don't hurt somebody else's feelings. You have people out there who may uh, uh, fudge a little bit on their um, uh, 
tax returns or something like that and uh, and still claim to be upstanding citizens and very well may be, but if you used to call them a liar, well, they get tore all to pieces, but the fact of the matter is they have not been completely truthful in all things. That's one thing we can uh, uh, say about God, that he is not a liar. And so that we understand that when God tells us something, that we know it, and we can trust in it, and that we have, we, there, there's no reason uh, not to have hope in the promises that God is telling us. So that's a, that's a wonderful thing right there. So for God, who ha, we who have fled for refuge. Now, when you see that there, when we flee from re, for refuge, remember back in the Old Testament, when he said that, uh, particularly those listening at a particular place of time in history, would re immediately refer back uh, to the Old Testament. And uh, because those who have committed, uh, say, manslaughter, for example, they would be able to run to a certain particular place and there would be uh, no wrath could be uh, put against them. You know, if somebody actually killed somebody, say somebody killed her brother or something like that, and it was by accident, well, they could go to this other town and uh, they would be safe there and not, not fear any retribution. So that person can come there and have revenge uh, on this individual. See, that's what Jesus Christ is. See, he is that refuge. See, God's wrath, all right, our sins demanded judgment. Our sins demanded uh, a reaction from God. But see, Jesus Christ became that very refuge for us that we could run to so that that wrath was satisfied. Remember, God is not a, a, a horrible vengeful, evil God that is uh, out to uh, trying to, to destroy us. And Jesus was trying to hold him back and no, 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 it wasn't like that because out of God's love, he sent his son to save us, all right? But there still needed judgment for our sins. There still uh, needed condemnation for our sins. There still needed payment for our sins. That's why you've heard my dad say many times that, that we had a debt we could not pay and Jesus Christ paid a debt he did not owe before that very reason. So we can run to Jesus Christ knowing that our sins are forgiven, knowing that we can run to him in a place of refuge and knowing that we will be protected and that we will not have to worry about uh, any kind of wrath or retribution that would send us back to send us to hell. And so that uh, we know that we run to Jesus Christ, we are safe, we run to God, we are safe in those things. That's what we get to see here when we see that fled for refuge. Might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us, um, uh, Okay, yeah, I'll say it there. Hope set forth. So again, we look at that hope. All right, we look at that. We trust in that hope. Just going back to what we was talking about with John and um, uh, Betty Stam, uh, the uh, the missionaries in 1934. And uh, I really highly recommend you to read that. It's very, uh, very good story uh, about these individuals. These, these individuals uh, that uh, really love the Lord. And um, they had that hope. And that's the same hope that I'm trying to teach you here this evening. This is the same hope that uh, old Dr. Young uh, preaches every Sunday morning. The same hope that I try to teach and preach to you um, uh, every Sunday night, Wednesday night, or in the mornings when I do the devotions. That is the same hope that I'm trying to, to explain to you. I, I, just like I don't, that song, uh, I think it's, um, oh, uh, what's the group? It says, uh, plays the song, I Can Only Imagine. Uh, Anyway, says that I'm um, just a nobody trying to tell you about somebody, you know, and uh, and that's what we're trying to do is so that you will have that hope uh, in the things of Jesus Christ. We have this sure and steadfast anchor 
of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. So we see that the anchor, you know, when you think of an anchor, all right, for those who uh, have ever been on a boat or been fishing or on a ship, you know that an anchor is used that, uh, to put down if there's a storm that, that hits that is coming to stabilize you, uh, to keep you from drifting somewhere you, you don't need to go, or even in, in stable waters, that anchor is put down so that uh, you don't drift into the, uh, to the coral reefs or into the shore or to the banks. Uh, you have that anchor to hold you still where you need to be. So that's what God does, all right? That's who God is. That's who Jesus Christ is. They are that anchor for us in the midst of that, these storms that we deal with. Or even when we may be idle, sometimes I think when we are idle, that, that is uh, probably some of the worst times uh, for us spiritually because we have too much time on our hands. See, we're being quarantined. You don't have a lot keeping you occupied. You have too much time on your hands. You have too much time to think. It's so easy to start drifting in, some, in areas and directions you don't need to go in. But see, here's the thing. If we're anchored in the things of Jesus Christ, we are anchored in the things of God. He will not. He will keep us drifting from those places we don't need to be at. He keeps us constant. He keeps us steady. He keeps us on the right course. And even when the storms of life hit, when those trials hit, we have that hope. We have that anchor grounding us, keeping us still where we need to be. If not, we would be, as God's Word says, blown around by every wind of doctrine. You have those out there uh, listening to heresy. And um, and that's why we, if we're anchored in God's Word, we can spot those heretical teachings. We can spot those things that we know are not of God. We can spot those things. We have that discernment because Jesus Christ, our, our Word of God, is that litmus test for all things. So that's why we have that, so that we can be grounded and not be swayed and, and pulled by something that we know is wrong. And when you start getting away from God's word, you know, if 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 you beware of any man who or woman, sadly, uh, that says they have a new kind of doctrine, they have a new type of they've have a new revelation from Jesus Christ, beware. Because when you start getting into that kind of mess, then you realize that they're going to lead you down another path. They're preaching an entirely different gospel, an entirely different God than the God of the Bible. And that's why we have to be anchored into these things. And trust me, man, the storms of life are going to hit. You know what? You're going to have arguments with your spouse. You're going to have maybe problems with your children. You're going to have, um, not that I have problems with my kids or uh, my lovely wife has, you know, she is always have such a sweet and humble demeanor. <laughs> Casey's watching, and uh, uh, but um, uh, you know whatever it may come, you know spiritual, physical, mental, whatever it may be, emotional. We know that we just need to trust in God's word, be anchored to that things, and we will weather those storms. So remember that, keep that in in in, in mind. Uh, I hope that is into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus is gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So that when we see that there, remember that um, during the time uh, of the Old Testament, uh, when they had uh, the temple, all right, they the priests, though the ones that were selected, were only allowed to go in uh, once a year. And uh, the only certain ones were allowed, to, only one person was allowed to go behind the veil uh, where God uh, resided uh, on behalf of the people. 
But when Jesus Christ, when he died upon the cross, uh, that veil, remember, it was torn from top to bottom, not from bottom to top, from top to bottom. And so therefore, uh, that um, uh, that veil had been lifted. And so now that we can, now all of us who are know Jesus Christ, our personal Lord and Savior, can come to God Almighty. No longer is there a veil there that that has been torn, that uh, that has been removed, all right, that all of us can come into the presence of God. And so when we see that, that Jesus Christ has that forerunner you think of a forerunner as a um, as a as a scout uh, one that goes out by ahead of, and, and you know if you've seen enough movies to know what a scout is that they go out and and make sure they're the where the enemy is at or what they're doing make sure it's safe before the they can go through blazing that trail going ahead before others do to uh, to make sure everything's okay you know you think of like davy crockett or you know you know cutting trails and making sure it's safe before safe passage to go through that's when you see that word forerunner that's what uh, what jesus christ has done he is that forerunner he's he has gone before us and that we know that it is safe now to go and pour the presence of god and that um, that's what we see that they have become the high priest forever you know like i said before only one person uh, was allowed to be that high priest um, uh, to go before the presence of god but then he became that high priest forever so now that veil is lifted and we can all become before uh, before god almighty because of that salvation, because of, of the promises of God, because of God does not lie. And he, he gives us that hope. He gives us that promise through Jesus Christ that our salvation is secure, that once we understand who Jesus Christ is, we, we accept Jesus Christ, our personal Lord and Savior, um, you know, that we will get to spend, spend all of eternity uh, in heaven. We have that hope. We have, you know, it's not, um, you know, a, a, a um, uh, an objective uh, kind of uh, of hope, uh, got a beard here or something there. A uh, um, objective kind of hope, like well, I hope I make it there. It's not that, it, it or subjective, I should say, uh, kind of hope. Uh, but we we can have a grounded hope, knowing that when we put our trust and faith in Jesus Christ, we know that we will get to spend all of eternity in heaven with God Almighty. And so we don't have we don't even have to even even worry a second. I sent Dad a, a link uh, this morning. And uh, it's talking about a, uh, it's from Franklin Graham, and it was talking about uh, a police officer. It's a 20-year veteran, and um, uh, he asked Siri, uh, you know, he, he was, uh, he, I think he'd been tested positive for COVID. He was worried, uh, and he uh, asked Siri, said, what do I need to do to be saved? Well, it sent him to a link uh, to the Billy Graham Association, and through uh, chatting on, on the website there, um, he was able to, um, uh, this, the individual he spoke with was able to lead him to uh, salvation. Uh, they explained to him who Jesus Christ was. I understand you know, this person asked him, said, uh, you know, where do you put your hope in? What do you put your trust in when things are getting tough? And uh, he said, well, I, I trust in myself or hope in myself. And they explained to him the trust and the hope of Jesus Christ. And through that, he was able to cling uh, to that anchor. He's able to cling to that rock. He's able to cling to that trust and the promises of God. And through that, he got to understand what Jesus Christ did for him. And he accepted Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior. You see, my friends, I don't know how many what you all hope in. I don't know what you trust in. I don't know what helps you get through your day. But I'm telling you right now, if you trust in anything in the world, it's going to let you down. You're going to fall. You're going to fail. And uh, it's only through God's hope. It's only through God's promises. It's only through trusting in Him and clinging to 
his understanding that will get you through this world and we can trust in the promises of the world to come. See, we have nothing to fear today because, like I said, uh, we've read to the end of the book of Revelation. We know who wins. And so we can trust in God's promises today and we can trust in the promises for tomorrow. We can trust in those future promises that God has laid out before us. Why? Because God does not lie. So let us trust in that. Let us have that hope in God Almighty. If we can do that, my friends, we should have a peace that passes all, all understanding because if God is for us, who could be against us? Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Father, Lord, we just thank you, we love you, and we praise you. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to spread the gospel message. Thank you, Lord Jesus, uh, for uh, helping us to understand your word. Let us apply it to our lives. Let us live it. Let us be doers of the word, not hearers only. Lord, for anyone watching this evening that doesn't know you, let him pray this prayer. Dear God, forgive me of all my sins. Jesus, I know you died on the cross for me. I know you rose from the grave for me. Come into my heart and save me. Fill with the Holy Spirit. Lord, be with us, lead us, watch over, protect us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, everybody has a great day today, a fantabulous evening. And uh, don't forget, Sunday morning from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m., come to Fountain Life Bible Church Outdoor Services. It's beautiful out there. Bring your chair, bring your uh, blanket. And Dr. Vic Young will be bringing the morning message. You don't want to miss it. I'm proud of my dad. Uh, I really am. I, I hope and pray to, to be half the man that he is and uh, to be a, a mighty man of God. And uh, uh, he's, he's really somebody to look up to. He really is. He's not perfect. Uh, but and he'll tell you that. Uh, but to me, uh, he's um, he, he, not to not to sound cheesy, but he's always been uh, been a superhero to me. But uh, but hope everybody has a good evening, a blessed evening, and Lord willing, we will see you Sunday. So God bless and have a good night. Mm -hmm.